إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله who was not only uh, a great scholar uh, in his own right, very significantly, he was known as the interpreter of the Qur'an. He was known as the, uh, the scholar of the Ummah at his time. It wasn't just that he was an incredible scholar, it was that coupled with the fact that he was also the cousin of the Prophet wasallam. He started off at a young age, at a young age feeling this, this thirst for learning more about deen, not just wanting to learn, but also wanting to practice. Imagine as a kid, as a kid he slept over at his auntie's house because she was married to the Prophet ﷺ. And his intention as a kid for wanting to sleep over there was he wanted to pray qiyam with the Prophet ﷺ. So when the Prophet, in the middle of the night, the Prophet gets up to pray tahajjud, on his own, as a kid, he gets up and he makes wudu the same way that he saw the Prophet make wudu. And then the Prophet starts praying, he finishes up uh, his preparation, then he joins the Prophet in prayer, and he joins without realizing it, especially because it's in the middle of the night, he joins the Prophet standing on the left side of the Prophet. So the Prophet moves him, behind him to his right side. Because the Imam, if there are two people, as we know, the Imam is on the left, and then the other person is on the right. So the Prophet, he moves him to the right-hand side, and then he takes a step back. And this is in prayer, and the Prophet brings him forward. He takes a step back, the Prophet brings him forward. He takes a step back, the Prophet brings him forward. After that happened a couple times, he took a step back again, and the Prophet left him, After they finished those two rak'ahs, the Prophet asked him, like, you know, what were you doing? I wanted you, I wanted you to pray next to me. Look at the kindness of the Prophet ﷺ towards the youngsters. Look at his, his concern, his love, his compassion to those younger than him. This isn't a cousin where they were close in age. This cousin was several decades younger than the Prophet ﷺ. So the Prophet asks him, you know, I, I wanted you to pray next to me. Why did you keep moving back? He said, how can I pray right next to you? And you're the messenger of Allah. So as a young kid, he has this sense of deep awe and respect for the Prophet and the role of the Prophet, the weight on his shoulders, his responsibility, who he was, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And as a young kid, he recognized this and he put that idea into practice in that way. So when the Prophet heard this amazing response from him, the Prophet made dua for him. Made dua for him. Oh Allah, teach him the interpretation and make him understand this deen. Teach him the interpretation and make him understand this deen. Help him to give, give him ta'wil and give him fiqh. So this is who Abdullah ibn Abbas was. And you find that dua manifesting more and more and more over time. To the point where as, as an adult, Abdullah ibn Abbas was without question one of the go-to scholars from among the Sahaba at that time. He's the one who said that when you come across an ayah in the Qur'an, 
that starts with, If you find this phrase, O you who believe, pay close attention, because Allah is either going to tell you to do something that's good for you, or to avoid something that's harmful to you. So he's telling us that there's an extra layer of importance when we come across this phrase, Ya amanu, O you who believe. Out of all of the 114 surahs in the Qur'an, there is one specific surah that is known as the surah of adab, the surah of character, the surah of, of comportment, surah al-hujurat, the 49th chapter of the Qur'an. And it's also worth noting that typically when the Prophet would lead the community in prayer, والسلام, typically he would recite from somewhere between surah al-hujurat and the end of the Qur'an. That was his norm, And when you look at this part of the Qur'an, it's just over four just just over four para. When you look at the concepts that are specifically <coughs> emphasized in this part of the Qur'an, it's all foundational. You don't find an overwhelming number of rules and laws and regulations that definitely has its time and its place. You find a number of laws, for example, in Surah Al-Baqarah, in Surah Al-Nisa. But when the Prophet is leading prayer for the community, when he's leading prayer for the jama'ah, he, he wouldn't typically recite from those surahs. On his own, sure. When, when he would pray qiyam, you have a, we, we have a reference from Abdullah bin Mas'ud, another great scholar from among the companions. He wanted to pray qiyam with the Prophet. So he joined the Prophet. And he said the Prophet recited Surah Al-Baqarah, and then he recited Surah Al-Nisa'at, and he recited Surah Ali Imran. And he said, you know, this bad idea came to my mind. He was sharing the story with somebody afterwards and they said, what was it? He said, I thought about sitting down. SubhanAllah, like, the, my point is, on his own, the Prophet did one thing. He didn't want to make the prayer a burden for the community by it being that long. And the Prophet specifically taught us that when you're leading prayer for the community to keep it short, relatively short. And he gave specific examples to Mu'adh ibn Jabal, a great scholar from among the companions, because one time he was leading prayer, Aisha in congregation, he was reciting from Surah Al-Baqarah. It was very long. And there was a man praying behind him. He broke his prayer, went on his own, and just prayed Aisha on his own. Sayyidina Mu'adh, he got upset with it. The Prophet eventually finds out about what happened, that occurrence. The Prophet did not, uh, did not get upset with the man who left the prayer and just prayed on his own because it was taking so long. The Prophet got upset with the Imam. The Prophet got upset with Sayyidina, Mu Sayyidina Mu'adh. And he, he, he was posing this question to him. You know, are you making things difficult for the people? Are you making things difficult for the people? Are you making things difficult for the people? Rather recite, سَبِحِسْمَ رَبِّكَ الْأَعْلَى Recite, وَالشَّمْسِ وَضُحَاهَا Make it easy for people. There are the elderly behind you. There are the sick behind you. There are those behind you. They have other affairs they have to get to. This is the middle path of our Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Abdullah ibn Abbas he, he mentioned, again, for us to pay special attention. Where would the Prophet typically recite from when leading the community in prayer? Between Hujurat and the end. Al-Mufassal. This portion of the Qur'an, that's what it's known as. Because the surahs, they're, they're consistently broken up. Because they're, they're not too long. When you look at that bookend, if you take Surah Al-Nas as a bookend, and then Surah Al-Hujurat as another bookend, when you look at Surah Al-Hujurat, of all surah, this is the surah of Adab. And this was the, that part of the Qur'an, it starts with this surah. And when you look at that surah specifically, it's only 18 ayahs long. It's not overwhelmingly long by any, by any means. Five out of those ayat, five out of those verses begin with, 
O you who believe. Ya amanu. So it's as if we're being told when you're connecting with the Qur'an, prioritize this part of it. If you're going to start anywhere, start here. This will give you the nutrition that you need to survive. This will give you the, 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 the protein, the ingredients, the, 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 this balanced spiritual diet. Connect with these surahs, you'll be okay. You'll be fine. And you have a further breakdown. You know, usually in Fajr, the Prophet would recite from here. Usually in, in, uh, in Dhuhr from here, Asr from here, Maghrib from here, Aisha from here. But the point is, this was the main focus. Because he's training his community through prayer, focus on this part of the Qur'an. Prioritize this part of the Qur'an. And what does that portion of the Qur'an begin with? The Surah of Adab. And within that Surah of Adab, almost a third of the ayat begin with, O you who believe. Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu. When you look at the very beginning of the surah, O you who believe. Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu. In the second ayah, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu. In the sixth ayah, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu. And then you find, I want to get to ayahs 10, 11, 12, and 13. In ayah 10, it doesn't begin with, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, but it begins with, Innamal mu'minuna ikhwa. Because by that point, we should have an understanding, a realization, that our iman is much more than just a claim. It's much more than just an idea. Our iman should be transformative. It should transform how we speak to people. It should transform how we treat people. It should transform where, where the money is coming in from and where it's going out to. It should transform our character. It should make us think more about how do we treat the elders that we know and the elders that we don't know. How do we treat the youngsters that we know and even the youngsters that we don't know? Are we respectful to those older than us? Are we compassionate and loving to those younger than us? The Prophet taught us that we need to, it's a two-way street, And when looking up, we should look within ourselves. What are we producing going north? What are we doing? How are we acting and behaving? What's our adab like when we're dealing with people who are older than us? And the same goes the other way. Oftentimes people think, how am I being treated by those older than me, how am I being treated by those younger than me? Pause. That's not the priority. The pri it has its place. No one is saying otherwise. But the Prophet is teaching us step number one, look internally. How do you treat those older than you and how do you treat those younger than you? So in dealing with those older than us, the Prophet emphasized respect, honor, and with those younger than us, compassion, rahmah. Kindness, love. So how do we treat those younger than us? Sometimes we think, you know, for those younger than us, we should, we need to receive respect from them, which is true. But step one, how am I treating them? I need to look at what I'm producing before I look at what I'm receiving. This concept is emphasized time and time again in the Quran. هَلْ جَزَاءُ الْإِحْسَانِ إِلَّا الْإِحْسَانِ For those who produce ihsan, then they'll receive ihsan. For those who produce excellence, then they'll receive excellence in return. Time and time again in the Qur'an, فَذْكُرُونِ أَذْكُرْكُمْ right? Allah tells us time and time in the Qur'an, do your part and I'll do my part, but you do your part first. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا إِن تَنْصُرُوا اللَّهَ يَنْصُرْكُمْ وَيُثَبِّتْ أَقْدَامَكُمْ The onus is always on us to look internally first. It's far more difficult to look internally and to ask, uh, to ask yourself, what am I doing? It's easy to think, what am I receiving? If I'm dealing with somebody older than me, am I receiving love and kindness from them? If I'm dealing with somebody younger than me, am I receiving respect from them? That's part two. That is important, but that's part two. Part one, what am I doing?
So when we look at these ayat, when we look at this surah, when we look at the Qur'an as a whole, it's supposed to constantly and consistently train the believer to look internally and to reflect and to think, what am I doing in relation to this book? How am I practicing this book? How am I interacting with this book? In ayah 10, Allah says, إِنَّمَا الْمُؤْمِنُونَ إِخْوَةً For those who believe, there's supposed to be a brotherhood and sisterhood among them. Regardless of what culture you're from, regardless of what your skin color may or may not be, regardless of your race, your ethnicity, your passport, all of that is secondary in comparison to iman with Allah Azza wa Jalla. Now a person may think, okay, am I being treated like a brother or sister from others? That's valid, but that's part two. Part one, how am I treating my brothers in Islam? How am I treating my sisters in Islam? What am I producing? Let me look within first. Let me look internally first. What was the dua of Sayyidina Yunus salam when he ends up in the belly of the whale? He doesn't fall into sajda and curse his people. He doesn't look externally. He doesn't fall into sajda and complain to Allah about how stubborn and difficult his people were. And they were. What was his priority? What was step one for him? Salam. لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إني كنت من الظالمين I made a mistake by leaving my people prematurely as a prophet without your permission, Ya Allah. I made a mistake. Please forgive me. And Allah says that He responded. And Allah saved him. And Allah cured him. Allah healed him. Allah sent him back to His people and they all believed. What was, what, what was His priority though? Let me take accountability for myself. So when, we've, when we find, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, step one, how am I interacting with this ayah? So in ayah 10, Allah says, إِنَّمَا The believers are brothers and sisters to each other. Do we treat each other in that way? Do we treat each other with kindness and compassion? Or are we too busy judging each other and being harsh with each other and jumping down each other's throats and attacking this Muslim or that one? Or Where's the rahmah? Where's the compassion? If we treated each other like the Prophet treated his enemies, we would be in a better condition. If we treated each other as the Prophet treated his enemies, we would be in a better state as a community. The Prophet did his part. He delivered the message. He fulfilled his trust, <coughs> But are, are we meeting him halfway in the sense that he taught us, but are we learning? Are we receiving that light from the Prophet, that prophetic guidance, Siraja Munira, the teachings of the Prophet, the kindness, the compassion, the love, the respect, the honor, you name it. But are we taking this and living it? Or are we just looking at this amazing, you know, prophetic meal, figuratively speaking, on the table, perfectly balanced diet, spiritually speaking? Ya Allah, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. Okay, the food is there. Ya Allah, I'm still hungry. I'm... Okay, we have to do, we have to lift our hand, lift a finger for Allah Azza wa Jal, and eat from the prophetic sunnah, eat from his rahmah, figuratively speaking. The Prophet taught us what to do and how to do it. He did his part, but are we learning it and then practicing it as best we can? Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulullah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in inna Allah wa malaikatahu yusallun ala al-nabi ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima sallallahu ala muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam In ayah 11, again we find ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu O you who believe, 
Don't look down on another race of people. Don't speak badly about another race of people. Male or female, it doesn't matter. Because whoever you're looking down on, what does Allah say? Maybe they're better than you. And Allah is saying this in a way like, yeah, they're definitely better than you. Because you have that arrogance in your heart that automatically drops you down to the bottom of the barrel, period, without exception. So Allah is saying, oh, you who believe, live your faith. We find this elsewhere in the Quran. Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu, aminu. Oh, you who believe, believe. But then the second believe, it's as if it's in capital letters and it's bold and it's underlined. Oh, you who believe, believe. So in this ayah, Allah is saying, oh, you who believe, don't look down on other groups of people. Perhaps they're better, with, uh, they're, 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 they're better in the sight of Allah than you. What does Allah say in the ayah after that? Ayah 12. Don't, don't spy on each other. Don't backbite each other. Regardless of race, ethnicity, whatever, that gives you no right to, to, to backbite anyone, to slander anyone. It shouldn't happen, period, but especially if it's a fellow believer. Are we living our faith or not? And then after that, Ya Nas, Allah zooms all the way out. O mankind, all of you come from the same father and mother. And then we made you into nations and tribes, and the best among you with Allah are people of taqwa. It's not about your wealth, it's not about your car, your house, your phone, your whatever. It's not about your social media following, it's not about your bank account. How is your heart? That's what Allah cares about. We ask Allah to make us people of taqwa. We ask Allah to forgive our mistakes. We ask Allah to help us to connect with the Qur'an as best we can. We ask Allah to help us to believe as we should believe. And we ask Allah to help us to practice our deen as best we can, as we know that we should practice. We know it. We just have to show it to Allah Azza wa We ask Allah to help us to do so. We ask Allah to forgive our mistakes and to accept our efforts. We ask Allah to bless our youth. We ask Allah to guide them. We ask Allah to forgive us and to forgive them. We ask Allah to help all of us to try our best to come closer to Him as best we can with Ihsan. Amin Rabbil Alameen. Wa ma umiru illa liya'budullaha mukhlisina lahu deena hunafat wa yuqimu salata wa yutu zakaa wa dhalika deenu al-qayyimah wa aqimu salat.